Welcome to the Injection Connection, in-depth discussions with thought leaders and professionals in the polyurethane infrastructure repair industry, hosted by Jim Spiegel, Vice President of Alchemy Speed Tech and board member at the International Concrete Repair Institute. All right, we're live, Charlie. So, welcome to the to the next episode of the Injection Connection podcast. I'm the host, Jim Spiegel, with Alchemy Speed Tech, and for this episode, we're welcoming Charlie Lehrman, the Grout Geek, um, is the moniker in the uh, in the industry, and I can totally support that. Uh, this is a little bit of a different episode in that Charlie and I are colleagues and, and work together, so we're going to do our best to put down the Alchemy Speed Tech flag and um, speak openly and um, non-proprietarily on on chemical grouting as it relates relates to uh, to leak seal grouting. So, Charlie, welcome to the to the show. Well, thank you. I've been listening to these. They're great, and I'm honored to actually be on it and doing one. Great. So why don't we we start off with you just telling us a little bit about about yourself, you know, where, where you came from, start at the beginning, and um, just let us know how you got into the grouting industry. Sure. So uh, I actually I uh, went straight into the Navy out of uh, high school and spent some time on submarines, learned some mechanical stuff, a lot of pumps and equipment type things. And uh, then I was a recruiter for a few years. I uh, got out around uh, 2000 and started right into the construction industry and a couple different uh, types of jobs, but ended up in restoration type construction. And uh, every once in a while I do some chemical grouting jobs and I'd always call on uh, a manufacturer to get support out there. And that led me into uh, actually starting uh, then with Denise. I was there for six years when they had their tech service guy retired. They offered me that position. So I spent six years at Denise and uh, learned a ton with them back, back in Houston. That was before they were bought uh, by GCP. That changed up stuff. And uh, I ended up uh, uh, over at Avanti for eight years. We, I started up their field service department and uh, uh, worked with that. Obviously, Avanti has a uh, strong municipal uh, push. So it was nice to diversify uh, compared to what Denif uh, typically focused on, which is more uh, dam and uh, uh, highway parking garage infrastructure as opposed to the municipal infrastructure that Avanti uh, focuses. Now, I was there for eight years and then, uh, you know, I moved over to uh, Alchemy Speed Tech and I've been here for a few years now and uh, it, it's um, been a good fit with, with this. And uh really pulled together a lot of the, the history now that I've got three different grout manufacturers in, in, in my, uh, my history now. I have a lot of uh, experience with, with different products and different applications. Yeah, which is very valuable, of course, you know, knowing how different products from different manufacturers work and behave and are mixed. So you, as I mentioned earlier, you're the grout geek in the industry. And I've, I've spent enough time with you personally to know that that's, that's a sincere and a proud title that you wear. Um, why, why do you think you're so interested, I, I, I suppose? Interest is just lack, for, lack of a better term. Why, why are you so engaged into chemical grouting? What, what about it resonates with you? No, that, that, that's a great question, Jim. And, and a lot of times I'm, I'm very, uh, uh, I guess, honored or, or – uh, are happy when when people tell me that they, I get feedback. People say that you know you're very passionate about this, and, and I am. I I do enjoy it. it. It's a lot like a game to me. And, and you know I, I'm I'm pushing fifty here, 
and I still play video games. I play video games all my life, and, and, and I just love the strategic element. It's kind of like a chess game, and I, I look at every grout job just like that. When I go out there, I know what my pieces do, what my, my product, what my pump, what my drill. I, I know what all those pieces can do. The thing is, the game is that I can't see into the wall or see into the substrate on what's going on in there. So I have to take my knowns and then rule out things that, that aren't working or figure out why something is working. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a big game. Uh, and then on the other side of that is I, I'm the hero. You, you know, when you come out there and you help somebody with a, a project or, or something that they're having trouble with and you're successful, everybody's happy to see you, you know, they're buying you lunch. And so, so it's a, it's a great thing because first off, it's just mentally stimulating and you're, you're, you're solving an issue the, the proper way. And then everybody's happy about it. So to me, it's just a win-win all, all the way around uh, with that. Sure. I, I get that completely, but surely you don't, you don't enjoy the, uh, the dirty clothes, the chemical filled uh, foam, or foam pants or the, the sweaty goggles or, or do you, are you kind of a twisted person that, that, you, that you know, th it? those things all kind of come with it. So you take the good w w with the bad. Uh, obviously I I've spent tons of times in, in, in many manholes and I I've been to 48 of the States, uh, and, uh, been in manholes and close to, to that many States. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot, a lot of dirty element to it, but, uh, you know, with my clothes, I, I kind of show them as a badge. Uh, uh, contractors really like when you show up there and they, they see that you're willing to get dirty and, and get in there uh, with them. I, I don't like being that, that tech guy that just kind of stands there and points. Uh, I, I don't have the patience for that. I have to get in there and, and, and help with that. So part of that has grown on me. Uh, I, I do still have my original hard hat, which has all my grout over it. And uh, I use that sort of just like my, my moniker, the Grout Geek. But uh, no, the, the hardest element I think would be, you know, during this whole time is just having a family and traveling. Uh, I have yet to have a customer call me up and say, hey, we're going to bring a manhole over you to you so you could take a look at it. I always seem to have to go to them. Same with dams and all the other infrastructure. For sure. And that, that's a good segue into another question that I was going to bring up is the, the whole family side of things. So, you know, now working with you for a couple of years. I mean, I see how much you're traveling, how much you're on the road, how much you're willing to to jump in a plane, you know, no, no matter what the, the circumstances and get somewhere. I mean, last year, it's a story that we share a lot, but I think it is a, a testament to you. you and for any listener, uh, we had a, a project in the, in, that required field support and quite a bit of field support, you know, to the tune of 60, 60 days or pushing 60 days of field support. And Charlie spent his Thanksgiving, his Christmas, and his New Year's in a hotel uh, for, the, for this project. So, you know, obviously we, we say it a lot, you know, to thank your family on our behalf and, you know, they, they sacrifice quite a bit for your travel as well. But, um, you know, what, 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 what about it kind of make, makes you willing <laughs> to, to go to those extremes, you know, on behalf of a, a customer? And, um. And uh, yeah, there, there's a couple things with that. Uh, let, let's go back to the, the first, the, the base level of it. You, you know, when I was a, a contractor working full time, my wife was working full time. We had very young kids. And uh, when, when the opportunity came for me to, to change and switch over to this side, 
Uh, I knew it would be uh, uh, much more travel. I wasn't traveling. I just worked locally. Um, but it also came with, with a, uh, a, a nice pay raise. And so my wife uh, stepped down for a number of years, uh, did not work, and, and now she only works part-time. So even though uh, we, we made the choice that I would be away uh, a lot more, we would then have a much more engaged uh, uh, mother who's at home and, and could you know, help raise the kids. Uh, now, both my kids are teenagers uh, and have cars, and so most of my interaction, even when I'm here at home with them, is via phone and text and that kind of stuff, because uh, they're, they're running around. But uh, the, the other draw, you know, it, it's neat getting out and, and seeing all, the, all these different places, and uh, I just, I truly enjoy, you know, being the, the support element and, and working with people on unique type things, because no one would ever say the grout industry is like, you, you know, uh, uh, fast food, where it's just you set up a, a simple template and you do it. So it's it's always stimulating. It, it's always something new, and it keeps me from sitting around in an office. So I, I, I like being on, on the road and, and doing those kind of things, even with some of the struggles. And oddly enough, in that, now that all this COVID-19 stuff has hit, I've actually gained weight being at home because I'd gotten into such routine on how I do things when I'm on the road. That's where I'd keep my weight off. And uh, so now I'm having to retrain myself at home and have more willpower around the food here. Which actually says a lot because if, if anyone that knows Charlie knows that he, he may have one of the more unconventional uh, dietary res restrictions or or diet, I should say. So are you still doing the intermittent fasting? I, I do. Uh, for a while there, I was doing it very hardcore, just one meal a day. I'm where I'm usually about a 16-8, uh, which means that, uh, you know, you can eat during the day and then 16 hours you're, you're fasting. I try to at least maintain that a, a, as a minimum. But, you know, the holidays pop up and uh, I, I'm not as religious about it as I used to be. And uh, But I've lost 10 pounds just recently. So I've gotten back on it because I gained uh, probably about 20 pounds. But anyway, that's a. <laughs> I, I guess this isn't a fitness podcast, right? Right. No. No. So. <laughs> okay, and, and back to your family a little bit. So you have two two daughters, correct? Yes. What is their familiarity with with chemical grouting? Do, do, do um, they know more about chemical grouting than you say the average the average uh, child? Hundred percent. But that, that's a real low standard to set at. I mean, when, whenever I give presentations or meet people, I always say the biggest competitor, and I've said this no matter which company at, so it's not unique to Alchemy Speed Tech or whatnot, but the biggest competitor is not another grout manufacturer or anything like that. It's, it's ignorance. Most people don't know really uh, much about chemical grouting at, at all. I mean, grouting in general is, is, is a large industry, but chemical grouting is only about 5% of that uh, industry. So, uh, so saying that my daughters know more than, than most people on it, yes, but uh, no, probably still pretty limited. Although Hannah got to my oldest daughter helped uh, film the uh, demos that uh, we just recently did, so uh, uh, that that was a neat experience working with her on that. And is she, is she, does she find any interest in it whatsoever, or she just think it's lame? Uh, she doesn't think it's lame, and and there's a lot of you know uh, family jokes and stuff that, that go around about. Uh, uh, going out and, and servicing these job sites and going in manholes and all the jokes that come along with that. Uh, but no, uh, uh, neither of my girls really uh, uh, want to go towards this at all. That's for sure. But uh, they, right. they think it's very interesting. Good. Yeah, I don't think anybody grows up saying that they're going to be in the chemical grouting industry. That is a true statement. 
So one of the questions that I that I had asked, you know, we, we post post portions of this and excerpts of the podcast on social media, you know, um, namely LinkedIn. One of the questions that came up on one of them that I thought was a really good question that I, I really want to start incorporating into a lot of these episodes is who have you learned the most from in the industry? And and we, we'll take a little opportunity to you know to to name drop a couple people, but. Who have been some of your beacons in the industry to learn what you've learned? Um, you know, the, the, the two main ones that, that come off real quick there is, is first off, uh, John Zabel. Uh, you know, I, I worked uh, directly with him for uh, the, the six years there. I was at Denise, and uh, he, he was quite, quite the, the resource for me. Um, and then uh, Scott Anderson um also uh taught me a a, a good amount and, and just really helped me out and really the only reason i probably didn't get more from scott anderson is just i lived in houston and he was you know up in uh, the new england area um but uh those are the, the two main people but with that being said i, I mean i i really think that they they gave me my foundation to go from but where i learn all the really cool minutiae stuff it's just all the intelligence engineers and contractors that, that I deal with. Because again, when we come and we sit down at a table and we try to design a job, it's not just one person. Uh, I, I mean, when I got in this industry, I, I did not, I had never, you, you know, worked on a dam before, but I had done crack injection. And I understood that. So when I went to my first dam project, I had a lot to learn about that structure per se, but we had the engineer and the owners, they knew the dam. I knew my product and then us coming together. So I'm in the unique position where I get to pick up all these little nuanced stuff. So when, when you look at someone who's out there doing crack injection or doing chemical grouting every day, they've got a good routine and, and they know their stuff uh, for that, but they're typically looking at similar type of projects. Whereas I get to see, you know, anything from a dam to a, a manhole. I've actually grouted uh, where we drilled into a window and grouted between CMU block and glass. I mean, so, so those are the kind of unique stuff that just come from the, those kind of travels. Yeah, I would agree completely. I, I brought that up on several of these episodes that manufacturers can pontificate about what a product does or what it doesn't do until they're blue in the face. And, you know, and there's a lot of manufacturers out there, as we know that, that are, are simply transactional. You know, they, they want to sell as much product they can for as much as they can. Um, but I, th I think the, the focus, and, and again, I'm, you know, we, we're trying to do our best here to put the, you know, put the Alchemy Speed Tech flag down. But however, we, as you know, we do have a huge focus on field support and, you know, relevant to this, to what we're discussing here, I, I'm on a lot of jobs as well. I think I've been on more jobs in the last two years here than I'd been in my entire career. Um, just because we have such a focus. And, and because of that, I, I've learned so much more, you know, just being on the, the, on the, on the gun, essentially, <laughs> you know, I mean, when you're, when you're the guy that has to do it, you learn exponentially, you know, um, more quickly. Would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. And it's the little nuanced stuff. It's, it's the things that no one thinks to ask the question of, or, or you know, how, how do you do these things? I, uh, one of the things that, that I, I came up with, um, and it's not groundbreaking, it's, it's really not at all, it's really basic, but I came up with just 
put in a bag in to do your liner where you mix in there and then you can lift the bag out and mix it by hand. Uh, it saves your bucket. It provides a clean environment and you can then close off the water. Like I said, I, I didn't invent the bag. I didn't infect the grout or anything, but it's just those little nuanced things that you only pick up while you're in the field um, that, that, you know, that come about from that. So a hundred percent. And in regarding field work, what's some of your favorite equipment to work with? Favorite pumping systems? You, you know, uh, I, I, I've always just been a fan of the, uh, the airless paint sprayers. They're, they're just a good workhorse and that kind of stuff and ha have been the, the industry standard there. Uh, so, so I like those, and, and that's what I've, I've used most of, of, of my career. Um, I'm dealing a lot more now with, with uh, uh, acrylate-type type products, and uh, I, I do really like the, uh, um, the, the pumps that we use for, for those, the uh, uh, plural component stainless steel pumps. Um, I finally, you know, I've seen some that are not difficult to use, which is nice to, to find one that, that, that's easy. It's still a, a, a complex machine, but it's uh, broken down and, and handles very easy. So I, I'd say that's kind of one of them that, that's coming up right now. But still, it, it's hard to just go uh, away from that old reliable, either like a, a Graco or a uh, Titan, uh, you know, 440. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's pretty much the, the, the status quo out but, there. Jim, let me add, to jump on the other side of that, um, and, and we offer this pump, so it's not like I'm bad-mouthing a competitor or something like, like that, but there's the, uh, uh, the drill pumps. And, and while they have their place, the, these little drill pumps, I believe that they actually are, are, are hard for contractors because a lot of the people that look at getting the drill pumps are first-time grout users, and they're trying to save some money, so they're getting a drill pump rather than a, a, a uh, airless paint sprayer to save a couple hundred dollars there. The problem is that using that drill pump takes a little more technical expertise. So if it's your first job, that's not always the good pump to cut your teeth on. It's got its good position and stuff like that, and it's light and it's easy to move around, but it does take a little more skill. So uh, you know that's one of the pumps just kind of to to watch out for. Yeah, and. Yeah, as we, as you and I have been pretty open about, you know, we, we have, and, and not everybody has the same experience, you know, with, with different equipment. I mean, you've probably pumped, well, I mean, you've pumped a lot more grout than, than probably all of us, but, um, you know, I, I have quite a bit of experience with the drill pumps. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. The, probably the benefit that I see is that they're, they're easy to, to take apart, you know, so when there are, when there are issues with it, which can happen to any pump that you're pumping chemical grouts with, um, you know, you're looking at seven Allen screws and you're into the ball and spring assembly. You know, I mean, you're pretty much in the guts of it with seven screws. So that's the only thing that I really like about it just from like a, uh, from a maintenance standpoint. But I mean, I agree completely that, you know, if you're, <clears throat> if you're a, I don't want to say quality grouter. I mean, a lot of quality people, you know, use those, but if you're doing this a lot, you're probably not doing yourself justice with it. Um, you know, especially if you're getting into higher volume sort of stuff. I mean, any curtain or soil grouting, it's just not, you know, uh, not, not relevant. And, and you're mixing a lot, you know what I mean? You, you're mixing small volumes, you know, all the time. And as we, and as you know, from being on site, especially on large volume applications, I mean, you know, keeping, keeping product mixed can be a, a huge uh, kind of functional, you know, manpower sort of 
uh, issue, you know, cause you just don't account all the time for keep having that guy for keeping things mixed. So I, I see the pros and cons for it, you know, um, but I, it's well noted that you're not a huge fan. No, and it's still, it's, it, it is a, a great product. There's a niche for it though. And, and really that's my main concern is, and I think also that comes kind of from my history because oftentimes I'm either on giant projects and that's where they're demanding to have that customer service out there. And so they're not even looking at these pumps because like you said, they're just not high volume. And then the other times where I'm training people is a lot of times when they're just brand new and it's just not a great pump for someone brand new, but it's, it's light, it's easy to maneuver. And that is not only a disadvantage that it can't mix small things, but that's an advantage on, on a lot of times when you're just setting up and if you're doing a residential area or you're doing something small, or you're doing something that's off the beaten path and you don't want to have to carry a whole bunch of equipment back to towards it. There. Right. So, right. And then on, on the other side of that, I don't even know how much we've talked about this. Have you even seen the, the information on the, the single part rig that Colt uh, fabricates on the geotech side? You, you know, I, I've heard you guys, <coughs> excuse me, talk about that a little bit and, and I have not looked into it at all yet. Okay. So that's something just, just on a side note, we should probably uh, follow up on that maybe in you know, one of our sales meetings, but, um, but Colt, and, and this is another, another testament to, to field support. So Charlie's counterpart on our geotech division side is, is Colt um, Hollander and, and Colt comes from the contractor side as well. You know, he, he cut his teeth with years in the field uh, in the Florida market. Uh, anyone that knows grouting knows that Florida is kind of the, the mecca of, of chemical grouting. Uh, you know, you just see so many different substrates. The leak seal stuff is there. The geotech stuff is there. You know, large karst conditions with, with sand soils and high water tables, you know, just creates a lot of need for stabilization. Um, so Colt comes from the kind of the ground zero, if you will, of, of chemical grouting. And he actually designed this machine. I, th I think you'd love it, Charlie. It's, it's actually a Titan 8900 uh, power twin. And, I mean, you haven't even seen the the frame that he welds and anything like that. I have not. Okay. All right. I'll have to get that information to you. But anyone listening to this, if if you're into large volume single component, uh, this is a a setup that you wanna you, you wanna take a look at. It's just you, know, you can <clears throat> put on the back of a pickup truck, um, and and this really isn't a sales pitch. I mean, this is like just towards our point of discussing different pumping equipment. Um, but you know the the fabricated uh, frame goes right on the back of a pickup truck. You know, you can, you can fit uh, totes and drums re really nicely back there. And um, it's all mounted in a single thing with two, two hose reels, Charlie of, uh, I think we have 200 foot on each reel, but you know, just really great for, for the stabilization and high volume stuff. So something yeah, we yeah. probably want to take a look at too for, you know, it's probably not as, <clears throat> as relevant to leak seal, to be honest. Um, you know, cause it's probably just a little too, too much for most applications, but, but there, I mean, there's a ton of stuff out there. I mean, I was, I was surprised when I started with this company. I mean, Steve, yeah, Steve had, had some solutions where they're doing, um, you know, j just using diaphragm pumps and, <laughs> and doing his injection. I mean, there's so many different solutions for, for pumping equipment. Indeed. And, uh, um, uh... You, you know, I do. I like to go by the, the grout geek. I and mean, when I introduced myself like, like that to Steve, he then threw out a bunch of stuff and I had no idea because while I, I do consider myself the grout geek, 
chemistry wise, I don't know. And Steve's grown up with that. And so I was like, okay, well, you're the grout God. I'll go with grout geek. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, it's another, he's another guy that just has a ton of experience in the field. And I mean, you, you can see it kind of in, you know, his daily operation. You know, I mean, he, he still likes to get out there, you know, that, that acrylic job last week, you know, mixing in a, you know, in a drum and cutting a hole in the side for gravity fill. You know, there's just so many, so many different ways to skin it. Right. And, and, and you know, the industry uh, um, definitely uh, appreciates the service element. And just at this last world of concrete, uh, when I was done with one of my presentations, uh, this older gentleman, and I say older because I'm close to 50 now, so he's a bit older than me. He comes up to me afterwards and says, you sound like the old Denise guys. And I took that as a huge compliment. I mean, Denise had set the gold standard for, for what service looked like for chemical grouting in the United States. And uh, I, I got to tell him, well, I actually am one of the old Denise guys. But, but that meant a lot to me uh, that people were out there that, that I didn't even know that, that recognized that and see, see you know, uh, what the industry still re requires. I mean, because it's very nuanced and specific. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement as well. I mean, I, you're exactly right. There are a couple of well-entrenched brands that, that brought the industry to where it is. And it's a widely accepted application methodology, widely accepted repair for, for water control and water cutoff. But there's, you, you know, as well as anybody, I mean, there's still a lot of room for improvement just in, um, just in the education side of it, you know, that's, um, to, you know, to your point that it's been around for so many years and, you know, there, there were these brands that, that had fantastic people and did a ton for the industry. And it's still a relatively unknown <laughs> uh, methodology for a lot of engineering firms. It, it is indeed. And, and the real danger with that, um, well, first off, I mean, we, we would like the industry to grow because it, it does solve a lot of unique problems and cost saving uh, to it. But the, the issue we see a lot of times is, you know, you get one spec in, and now that spec's been around for 25 years. It's been, you know, cut and paste in a lot of places. And it's calling out products that don't even necessarily exist or applications that aren't appropriate anymore. And that becomes very difficult when it's already in the bid phase. And then you're having everybody try to bid apples to apples, but they can't really even, you know, match what's called for there. So, so I do. I believe education is a, is a giant component. And again, fighting back that, that ignorance on, on the products because a lot of people just, when they hear chemical grouting, assume epoxy and a completely different animal than, than a urethane. Yeah, for sure. And to the specification angle, you know, and obviously it's something we talk about all the time. Wouldn't it be advantageous? You know, a lot of specs call out for contractors to have certain, and a lot of bid packages, I should say, maybe not as much specs, but some, some specs do like in the, in the quality control section, but a lot of bid packages will call out that contractors have a specific um, experience level, you know, whether it's X amount of jobs done in the last three years, you know, that, that fit this, this scope sort of thing. And we see that a lot, obviously in geotech as well. Don't you think it would be beneficial and increase the quality control of leak seal grouting if specifications or bid packages required a certain level of field support for manufacturers? You know, I, I can see that appropriate. I mean, obviously, we're talking about normally. First off, when you're talking about spec work, anyway, you're on a, a larger type project, um, and 
a lot of times it's just the the getting the project launched is really the the, the big thing where the the customer service would, would help out a lot because it, it, it's not that I am some you, you know neuroscientist well apparently you have what your degree is in neurology so that's kind of funny to pull up there but uh, um, I, I'm not the smartest person in the world the, the I've been out and I've seen a lot of different things and I can train people pretty easily on, on picking up how to do this. So where I was going, sorry, I got derailed there. Like I said, I guess that proves my point. Not the smartest guy in the world. And you don't have to be for grouting, but it's non-intuitive. And because you can't see through the wall, people just in general kick up the pressure or just start pumping a lot. And often both those things are actually the exact opposite of what you want to do. So really, I, I look at my job in the field service out there is a lot of times just hand-holding and giving some, somebody a warm fuzzy. Because a lot of contractors, and especially when you got your GC or your boss breathing down your throat, they want to see results right that second. And, you know, there's times where you grout for a couple hours before you figure out what that wall is doing or what that crack's doing and you find your, your successful way. And with me being there, I can say, okay, no, this is okay. Let's try this. Let's try that. And, and make people understand understand that, that it's a, a process as opposed to not seeing that immediate reaction and then everybody think, okay, it's not working and throw their hands up. So I do, I think there's some value into in having uh, uh, that field service for the kickoff of the job. So what I'm hearing is, and I, and I have talked to a few people about this, especially it's, it's, it's funny how you see it differently when you're the one going out there, right? Everything's a little bit more complex, right? When you're the one that's, that's holding the gun. Um, but what I always say to people is you, you should account for some exploration time. You know, everybody, everybody wants to go quick into what's the, what are the coverage rates? How, how many linoleum feet can I do in a day? How many people do I need? What's the size of the crew? How many man hours, you know, is a prevailing wage, blah, blah, blah. But I, I like to tell people let's, let's put a half a day, even to a full day, you know, depending on job into exploration. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Exploratory grouting is, is the way to go. And on smaller jobs, a lot of times that's going to knock out the whole job anyway. But uh, when you get to those larger jobs for, for curtain grouting and crack injection, just having that day to look at and say, you know, these are the parameters. We, we think we're going to be between this and, and, and this mark and by this procedure. And you go out there and you find, well, did I fall on that? Where did I fall on that? And if so, how are we going to adjust out the, the rest of the job now that we know some specifics there? But until you get out there, it, it's, it's really all theory. And, you know, I'm in tons of meetings where there's all this theory crafting and people talk about this sort of stuff. And while this theory crafting is, is great and, and we need to do it to wrap our head around there, it comes down to it when we're actually injecting, you don't have precise control over your liquid. You don't know exactly where it went. You can only see the results and make assumptions there. But whatever I pictured in my mind is, is what I can say happened in there. But until we rip that open, which almost never happens, you don't know exactly how, how it uh, uh, went inside there. So, again, all that theory and stuff like that, it's all great to talk about. It, but until you, you know, put the, the wheels on the road there and see what happens, uh, you just don't know. I've seen stuff where you just start scratching your head. How could this be going that way? But it does, and you figure it out and work through it. Again, important to have somebody out there with you, you know, especially some people that haven't seen all this wide breadth of 
you know, of substrate conditions, um, you know, and, and techniques and equipment or product um, variations, you know, to have somebody out there to, to say, hold on. You know, I mean, I mean, just for instance, this gel product uh, project that we discussed, um, I believe you and I discussed it on Monday, but, you know, just knowing what the performance of that gel was going to be over time is something that you can completely set the, the customer's expectations as far as what they're looking for, you know, just by have gone, have gone through it yourself, you know, and a lot of times you, you might see a continuing leak and think, well, I, I, I have to keep grouting for instance, you know, but it, t- it takes that special, that specialized expert eye, you know, to, to tell you what's going on in there. Right. Because I think what a lot of, and especially I think young engineers or, or engineers that have not dealt with grouting a lot um, struggle with is how do I specify grouting? Because it's not like a coating. You know, the coating you can say you're going to do this type of uh, uh, surface prep and you're going to get it to this mill before you put a, your coating on there. Then you can check the, the millage of your coating. You can uh, do a pool test. You can do a spark test. There's all types of ways to verify. With grouting, there's not. And, and then when they try to verify something, say like we, we, there's a spec for curtain grouting and it calls out for two foot on center. Um, and the engineer comes out to the job after the contract's report is successful, but they look and it's not all two foot on center. Well, did the contractor, are they trying to pull something over? Are they, they trying to skip a step and save some money? No, the odds are that they had great travel in an area or, or that they got it taken care of because ideally they did it when the water was present and, and they found that, you know, we could move out to three foot on center or we needed to skip this one area here because it's always, you know, that's where the grout flows to right away and we're, we're getting great coverage in that area. But uh, uh, there, there's a, a great video and, and um, uh, that I had when I was from another manufacturer where I shut down 360 around a manhole with one hole in the bottom. And normally you would have drilled a bunch of holes. But if that's inspected afterwards, the engineer may go, well, they only did one hole. They probably didn't do all the waterproofing in here. So, so there's a lot of things like that where the manufacturer can help out and try to steer the engineer. But that's really where I think a lot of the confusion comes from because there's nothing exactly rock solid that the engineers can just tie onto and, and, and sign their name off on. I, I teach a lot of times that, uh, you know, there's only a couple rules that you have to follow with chemical grouting. And they're the safety rules. Don't get in your eyes. Don't eat it. Pretty simple things. Other than that, all the other rules that you hear about on how to grout and everything, those are all flexible. I, I break all my own rules often because of job site conditions, you, you know, what you have to do. I was just out in Seattle Sound uh, working on a tunnel, and the contract that brought us out there had put in the station, not the, the, the subway lines. They could only crack inject into this uh, joint from one side from the station side. So they couldn't drill on the other side. There's tons of pipes in the way, and it made it very difficult, which should have been an easy in- injection work. So again, you, you run into all types of weird scenarios out there that you would never imagine exist. Agreed. So Charlie, we've already hit our, well, I think we're over our half hour mark here. So I think we're going to wrap it up. We may have to have a, a subsequent episode with you. We wanted to get into some of the discussions with Charlie on where he thinks tech is going and AI. And you know, uh, per the, the Grout Geek moniker, I, I receive almost weekly emails from Charlie uh, telling telling us or predicting the AI um, uh, functionalities where the grouting the grouting world could go or the you know where tech is going to take us 
And um, it's, it's pretty interesting in some of your, some of your assessments, but I think unfortunately we're gonna have to save that for another time. The singularity is coming, whether we talk about it right now or not. So excellent though, Jim, thank you very much. No problem. So Charlie, thanks for joining us. And again, you know, taking our, our alchemy speed tech hats off. Um, if there is anyone out there that, that, that has questions about, about grouting in general and just where to use it, how to use it and what to use. Uh, Charlie has been a fantastic resource, not only for our company, but um, a, a lot of contractors out there. Uh, just, just considering his breadth of, of material knowledge with all these different manufacturers, products, all these different uh, pumping uh, systems, all these different techniques. You know, if, uh, if you're another a fellow grout geek out there um, on the leak seal side, definitely utilize Charlie for uh, to, to bounce some things off of. He's, he's a great resource for the industry. And um, Charlie, just to let you know as well, um, we had the ICRI uh, board meeting today and I believe all the product demonstrations we were able to, to get into the schedule for the convention. So um, that will be approved and Charlie will be doing a, a product demonstration for the next ICRI uh, virtual convention that's coming up in October. Excellent. And, and I, ICRI does a, a great job of putting out information. Uh, I've been to a number of their conferences. Haven't ever done the online thing, so I'm looking forward to this, but I'm sure they won't disappoint with uh, this format. It's going to be spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, the, the amount of progress that's been made, you know, taking it virtual, I think has been uh, re really impressive, you know, to pivot like that so quickly. And, um, and not only that, it, it brings a different price point to the, to, to gain this, this knowledge that's available out there, you know, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to fly somewhere and be somewhere for four days and have all the travel costs, you know, for the, what it's probably gonna look like down the line is a, a hybrid approach, perhaps, you know, of, of in-person and virtual. So you can, you know, you can digest the networking and information share in different, different media. So, right. That's all I have for Charlie. So thanks again for, for joining the podcast. And um, I think we'll probably have to have you on again. Yep. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, everybody. Okay. We'll see you, Charlie.